Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the amazing coffee mugs that have Energy is Love podcast things on them. <laughs> if you go to our website, energyislovepodcast.com, there's a banner up top you can click on that's for the merch store and take yourself over to the place to buy the podcast merch. <laughs> <laughs> I got that sentence out completely. Go check it out. T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, anything that you pick up and buy uh, directly supports the podcast. So if you are a longtime listener, big fan of the podcast, and you want to get some stuff and give us some stuff in exchange, that's a very easy way to do it. <laughs> you also don't have to. You can just listen and enjoy to all the wonderful, amazing episodes that we release week after 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 week six years of podcasts lots 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 of podcasts for you to listen to you're welcome all the podcasts we have the podcasts thank you for listening Arby's like we have the podcasts so we have the meats we have the podcasts also if you resonate with anything we talk about on the podcast Stephanie and I are a couple of couple coaches that's how you say it right we're a couple of coaches who coach couples. There you go. And we want to work with you. So if you and your partner are in need of some help, maybe you're looking to reconnect, rediscover, maybe you've been together a long time and you want to reconnect to that love that you have for each other, that passion that you had at some point, maybe it's gone a little bit. Truthfully, maybe you're going through big changes, big midlife crises, crises, crises. Maybe it just feels like you're going in different directions and you're looking to reconnect. Whether that's the reconnection to each other, to the passion that you have, to the to the joy of life and existence and love and all these kind of different things. We're, we're soft selling this in a way, but truthfully, we want to help you get to the bottom of your issues so that you truly can embrace each other in this loving, connected way of existence. So if that sounds interesting to you and you need some help, hit us up. We are here for you. If you go to energyislovepodcast.com, you can click on the contact button up top. That'll uh, allow you to send us an email. And all we do is we coordinate and set up a time and we can jump on a Zoom call together and um, see what's going on, see how we can help, give you guys an experience. This is a great episode of the podcast. It's episode 304, which means it's four after 300. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a good episode. We talk about um, a lot of stuff in this episode, Mm -hmm. right, babe? We do. We also got into other forms of anxiety and maybe ways that it manifests that may have been overlooked. Right. You had some uh, real cool awareness about stuff you've learned recently and the ways that you've started to look at your anxiety and we dive into it a little bit more and it leads into not just anxiety, but mental health and the way that we cope and manage and, you know, the common practice in Western culture over here in Western society is treating the symptoms and not addressing the core issues. And it's a, it's a big episode. We go down some beautiful different rabbit holes, I think that uh, are going to have a lot of impact. If you're willing to listen and get curious with us week after week after week, that's all we ask is freaking get curious about life and your relationships with yourself and with others and all sorts of stuff. So this is just another great episode. Yeah, do have some trigger warnings for unhealthy coping mechanisms and physical abuse as well as there's probably another one that I'm forgetting to mention there's always, as always there's a trigger warning with this our podcast, episodes. right? Yeah, make sure you prioritize your own mental health. Yes. And your emotional health and there is help and even if you think there isn't, trust me there is. There is. So Enjoy, everybody. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. 
coffee? The yeah, the the rest of the see, I couldn't use my measuring cup. I got you a cup. paper towel somewhere. Yeah. It's I need I like creamy creamer. I yeah. like creamy. I like it to be like silky. Yeah. Like creamy creamer. The almond milk doesn't quite cut it. It doesn't. And, you know, it's either black coffee. And if I can't do black coffee, if I need creamer, I need it to be the right creamer. Well, I they, need creamy creamer. Or we could just not drink coffee. I'm not drinking coffee tomorrow because this is day two of a pot of coffee. And like I said, it's all downhill after day two. If I, if I do day three, then we're back. We're back on the sauce. Back on the hot sauce. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, okay. I'm I'm not, I'm choosing to not go back on the hot sauce. It looks, you could be, I, I beg to differ. It looks right now that you're very I'm going to drink it today. Okay. <laughs> That's like I'm the gonna alcoholic. I'm going to quit tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, who's literally killing a six pack. I'm not drinking any more beer. Okay, um, this is it. This is my farewell. Oh okay. God, what if that's really it? What if tomorrow I'm like mainlining coffee? <laughs> Just allow yourself the opportunity to be where you're at, regardless of judgment. You're well, drinking coffee today and that's okay. It is okay. I don't like I don't have a problem with drinking coffee. I just don't want to become addicted to where I have to have it. Like you don't we want to were. be a slave to coffee. I don't want to be a slave to coffee again and um always chasing that caffeine, that energy where um when I'm not dependent on the energy, I have more. Yeah. But when I depend on it externally, oh my gosh, it's like I'm so tired all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not looking to make myself more tired. Well, we'll see what tomorrow we'll brings. What, and I know. And it's sad because this is like, I have to be careful. I have to say goodbye again. It's only been two days. So it's not like I've been on a bender. <laughs> but I'm like, damn it. And I didn't even have the good creamer. Yeah. Damn it. You didn't even get to enjoy it. I did. Well, I am enjoying it. But I didn't even have the good creamer. And I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling it black this time. Yeah. That's okay. That's why you've got your almond milk. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you should we start the podcast now? We should, but I feel like you did not give weight to the fact that I didn't have the right creamer. It is very disturbing. All, all I want is just a little creamier. Should we push pause and I'll go get you some? Maybe. Okay. By the way, all of this is in the podcast. We started the podcast. <laughs> You're going to leave it all in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we started the podcast a while ago. All right. Well. So they got to join us for this coffee chat. That's, you have the power to edit this out. So do you remember coconut coffee? I do remember coconut coffee with Craig and Steph. Yeah. There's coconut in my coffee right now. There's coconut in my coffee. We are having... If there's stuff. ever like a trivia game Ooh, hot, hot, from the hot, podcast, hot, hot, like 10 years from now, somebody makes a trivia game for the podcast, that'll be like, you know, you have to be a really long time fan to know what coconut coffee is. Co Back in the day when we would, because um, the podcast just evolved, 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 evolved and keeps evolving. And at some point, the episodes that Steph and I used to do together back in the day, because you weren't on every episode. No, no, I was a guest. I was a sporadic, a seldom, and then a not a seldom. You were a pretty regular guest. I was a never guest, <laughs> and then I turned into an occasional guest, and then a sporadic guest, and now I'm a co-host. Look at me evolve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the episodes that were um, around the hundreds, if you go back around the hundreds, the early hundreds, uh, are coconut coffee with uh, Stephen Craig. Yeah. Because we used That's to drink awesome. coconut coffee. We still do, obviously. Anyways, last, yesterday, not yesterday, um, episode 303. Yes. We ended that episode 
with a teaser. We did. Do you remember the Do teaser? Do you remember the I teaser? I remember the teaser. I teased it. You teased it. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to remember it. I remember it. Okay. What's the teaser? So the whole idea is that we, we move through life mm -hmm. henceforth from this moment, mm -hmm. whether it's you and me right now talking or you out there listening, from this moment forward, you move through every single moment and day of your life imagining and picturing and really owning and settling and like believing and shifting your perspective in regards to this idea that all the other 8 billion people on the planet are just another version of you. Oh, the egg theory, like the egg theory. Not just the egg theory. Not, not just the egg theory. Yes, I suppose it's the egg theory. <laughs> I don't understand that fucking theory. Have you seen it? Have Many you seen times. It? Okay. I've watched the little YouTube videos that people make on it. Have I've, you just seen the actual YouTube video? Just the actual video instead of the the, the videos that people make. There's a there's an actual video. And isn't that just a YouTube video that somebody made? Well, you said videos, so I didn't know if you were talking about somebody would show a clip of it and then give their take or whatever. I was seeing if you've seen the original. Have you seen? Anyways, I'm not talking about the egg theory. Okay. Well, my brain is understanding it that way, so okay. I'm going to try. Because the, the, the catalyst for this is parts work. Yes. So we have all of these parts inside of okay, ourselves. Okay, yes. Yes, 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 yes. So you have different parts in you that you work with. I have different parts in me. Like there's IFS, internal family systems, mm -hmm. which is a form of therapy for managing and coping with all these different parts and mm -hmm. communicating with them and connecting with them and having compassion for all of those parts. Mm -hmm. So we just take that practice and that theory, if you want to call it the egg theory, that's fine, and extend it out to the other 8 billion people. Okay. So they are parts of me as well. You know... I'm okay. I think, I think I got it. I think I got it. So think about the way but, that you talk to your parts. Oh, I know. Let me, I think I got it. Let's hear it. I think, um, if I'm remembering the religion that we were just learning about, they were talking about Hinduism, that they are not, um, what is it? Polytheist? What's the word? Polytheistic. Polytheistic. They are monotheistic. Yeah. But it's confusing because it looks like they have all these deities and that they're, yeah. but it's actually the same. Just it's different versions. It's actually the same as different one. versions. Like to you, I am wife. To our children, I am mother. To my parents, I am daughter. To my siblings, yeah, I'm sister. Like, so I'm still, I'm me. But I am, I'm a different role for everybody. So not the egg theory. So they're just all like we're, I, oh, you're looking at me. I'm, I, th I felt so confident and you're looking at me like, no, you're confusing the fuck out of my theory. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, it made sense in my brain this way. Think about your parts. Yeah. So that's like, I'm seeing it. So like we're. Not the roles that you play, not the hats that you wear, not the different roles that I'm you play using in the, other I'm people's I'm saying lives. that's what like made it click for me because okay. it was the same person. And it wasn't the different hats. It's that it was, it, that is a part. It's the different parts. It's the, it's all in, oh, I feel like I'm silly now. Don't feel silly. Keep going. <sighs> um, I'm just saying it, click, it clicks. So you're talking about like a, it's almost like we're all cells in the organism instead of ourselves being the organism. Correct. 
So everyone else is a cell with us apart, kind of. Okay, so I've given enough that I'm telling you how my brain works. That's how hopefully I've been able to help somebody connect to what you're saying if they don't understand or I haven't confused them if they didn't understand. And now I'm just going to listen while you talk. <laughs> so the part of you uh-huh. that is me. So I have a part. I have a part. You do. Okay. That part is named Stephanie. She's a, a, she's a mom. She's a wife. She's a daughter. She's all these different things. And she's going through her experience. And when I see she's her, self, she's a healer. <clears throat> she's right? happy. She's all these she things. Joy. And when I see her and I start to connect to her and I look at her, it's a reflection of stuff that's inside of myself. It's a reflection of me. Okay. So it's not just the mirroring <clears throat> that uh, takes place. You. It is like you're just another part of me. Okay. Just as I'm another part of you. Okay. And that's applicable for the other eight billion of us that are in existence on this planet right now. So when you see other people, you're just seeing that version of yourself. So the ways that that person may or may not trigger you, the ways that that person may or may not, uh, maybe maybe you don't even see that person. Maybe that person means nothing to you. Right. There's obviously plenty of people on this planet that I'll never meet, never see, never connect with, but they're still serving a purpose. They're still playing a role. They're still part of me in a sense, just as there's like parts of my body that I'll never see. I'll never have an understanding of, I'll never figure out, but yet my right index finger, right? That plays a role. That's a purpose. That's a thing. But they're all the total, that they're all, they're, they're the totality of me. I feel like, I, I feel like we're saying the same thing. I, I, I feel like too. I get it. It's just like, I'm not using. My verbiage. I'm not using your verbiage, well, but damn I it, feel like I'm, tri- I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I feel like we're saying the same thing. It's all the same thing. My, like the visions here, the thoughts here, the egg here, the deities here, all of it. I feel like we're saying the same thing. I do too. It's just become my, um, my, uh. I guess my practice, the Your thing practice. that I'm trying to do as I move throughout the world okay. is to see different versions of myself in all these things. Okay. So you're talking about like, okay, so you're taking it a step for, further and just like really, because it's the, you know, treat others, like as you're like, do want to others, that whole thing, um, or the golden rule or all the different ways. So you're not, you're well, just like, like observing. So you're like, that is a part of like me. Driving on the freeway, I see the truck driver. There's truck driver Craig. There's truck driver there's Craig. There's the truck driver version of Craig, right? Um, there's the grocery store clerk version of me. There's the fast food, uh, you know, cashier version of me. Okay. Right? It, does it change how you interact with them or how you're interacting in the world? Of course. Some, tell me. How? Well, why would I be mean to me? Well, okay. I, I'm, right? I'm not criticizing. I'm just like... Yeah, Taking exactly. it deeper here. So then it's looking at them and having compassion for what that version of me is going through. That maybe that version of me is having mm-hmm. a hard day or a rough day or like we're teaching our son to drive now. He's got his learner's permit and we're, you know, the reminder is that yes, we could get road rage or we could just take into consideration that maybe that person's going through something right now. And so it's just a, once again, there's that person that might be in a rush 
might be distracted. The, the driver that's on their phone is the version of Craig that, you know, plays on his phone when he drives. Don't do that. What, what did he tell me one time? Do you remember when he was like, he was getting shitty about one of the other person in a car and he's like, they're not in a hurry. They or they don't, they're not having an emergency. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. They're not having a bad day or right. he'll say that about a teacher. If they're being, they weren't having a bad day. They're just, he knows all he's of like, our, don't uh, even try and get me to see what they're going through. He knows all of our caveats now. He's like, Mijo, did you ever think maybe <laughs> it's just an interesting, not just a thought experiment, but it's a belief first and foremost that I have. It's something that I believe like, for real. Yeah. That we're all the same. It's pretty And cool. it's not just because we all come from the same. I was thinking about it from like a very, I heard something recently and I don't remember if it was podcasting or something. I heard some information. I just popped my knuckles and it was with about, my chin. Could you hear it? Yeah. So like I did hear it. We're fisting. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Go with your information. What'd you hear? Hold I'm, on. Gonna, I'm turning away Hold from on. the camera. I'm going to sit over here. There's a little slip up. Um, the cell, the single cell, single cell organism, or yeah. just the cell itself. What happens? Splits. It divides. Why does it divide, you think? To multiply. Or does it divide to look at itself? Does it divide to, oh. Does it divide because never it's lonely? Never thought of that. Does it divide because it needs companion? partnership and companion and connection? What? I never looked at it that way. So does it they split never taught me that and divide so that it has a mirror, so that it has something else to look at? Well, shit, that's kind of beautiful. Right? I've never even heard that. I've never thought of that. My brain just grew right now. So we think of it from way the to think of things. biological, the yeah. evolutionary, the scientific. I was about to get into like. Right, the explanation yeah. why it happens. <laughs> But maybe there's a deeper reason. Oh, why it I happens. think there is. I think that's beautiful. That it divides and splits Whoa. so that it's not alone. Like if you are that's the creation. only thing in existence, Excuse and that's me. like you walk around, like think of um, what's the uh, Pixar with the robot? Oh, uh, Wally. Yeah, Wally, abandoned on the planet. Alone, by himself, lonely, right? And suddenly he's got somebody else. Eva. Right? But that whole idea that maybe maybe everything started from this singular thing that was just a ball of energy or a single cell floating throughout the cosmos or even just like who knows. And it was that way for a really, really long time. And eventually out of like just sheer will and desire, it divided into two so that it could be, so that it was no longer alone. And then it just kept going. Cause it's like, oh, that worked really well. That is so cool. I like this. And then the, the one that divide, like, so it splits into two. Uh-huh. And it's like, hello, I am you, you are me. And that one is like, hi, you are me, I am you. And then. And then they turn around and they, they divide again Hi, and divide I'm again you, and divide again. I am you. And it's just like louder and louder and louder yes. and the crowd grows. Yeah. That is so cool. So it's a, that's that's kind of the- Was it like a, I want to know where you heard it. It was probably wrong. It was probably, probably wrong. Yeah. Probably wrong. It was wrong. probably wrong. 
That's Ramdas. Right. I want to go find it because I want to like hear other thoughts on that because I have my own now, which is st- like building, which is awesome. But um, it's like that thing we talk about, like you have the information that you have and you're looking in, but you have to be willing to learn from others. Yeah. You have to be willing to hear. So you're not just sitting there and going in your own little circle of, I know everything. All I need is me. Um, like, and if that's where you're at, cool, you know? That's that gets to be where you're at, yeah, that's and then a, that's a version that, of me that somewhere version, that thinks right? they know everything. I've I've definitely internalized everything and went in, and you know I've been there. Yep. And also, when I'm like, oh, it was just like also a fear, like I didn't trust because so many people that I were learning from, like there's there's been good experiences where I've got great information and um, methods, I guess, techniques, and then there's situations where I have not been guided by people that I would refer anyone to, you know? So there's like, so that caused like a wave of going in. So I'm, I'm, I'm not judging that. I'm just also like there, and then there comes a point where you look out. So I, I, I want to hear the thoughts that came out with this. I want to hear, I want to hear like the person's process that had this and I want to hear yours and I want to stay here. And I don't think it was a very, I think it was just a blip in a, just a blip in a conversation that Ram was having with a, um, like a physicist or something. I think it was that episode. Well, I guess we're the expansive then let's start expanding on this topic. Yeah. It's interesting. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. It. It's so interesting. It may, it turns everything, like it's just another aspect of turning everything into like an act of love. Exactly. You know, it's not a, a mindless, you know, function. It's not just something that happens and it's cool that it happens. It's an act of love. Yeah. That's really exciting. And it's like the ultimate self-love. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm lonely. I will just think hard enough until I divide into two so that I'm not lonely anymore. Maybe. Maybe. I'm going to play with that for a while because I really like it. Something there, huh? Yeah. So you have some Mm -hmm. stuff on your list that we were going to get to in the last episode. But before we get to that, um, I have a story to share with you. I'm so ready for the story. So I was recently out to dinner with our son, who's Mm -hmm. 15. He's 15. He's going to be 16 soon. And... We were in the, we were at this cool restaurant downtown, Salt Lake, Blue Iguana. If you're from Utah, I'm sure you've heard of it. If you've eaten there, you know it's good food. It's great food, actually. It's really good Mexican food. We're in the waiting area for, you know, it's like a 20 minute wait or whatever. We're just chilling. Him and I are both kind of talking a little bit, but we're both kind of just distracting ourselves on our phones because it's crowded. It's not like you can really have a good conversation or anything. It's a busy Friday night. And um, we're sitting there just kind of doing our thing. And across from us, and it's a very small little like waiting area. They definitely need a better um, <laughs> waiting area for tables. Across from us, there's a man and a woman, and they're having a conversation. Now, very similar in age to us, you and me. They weren't married. You could tell from the conversation that this wasn't husband and wife, but it was some sort of like, I don't know, work um, maybe right, some coworker or maybe I have no idea their relationship, okay. but they definitely weren't in, in a relationship. They weren't husband and wife. Okay. 
And the guy was talking about his son. <clears throat> they were Mormon. So there's definitely a, an aspect of, I mean, that's not necessarily super important to the story, but it kind of is because of the, like the mentality of this guy. Um, so this dad is talking about his son who is a freshman in high school. We know all of this just from listening. Right. And he's sitting there talking about his son and how he goes to school and like keeps his head down and puts his hood up. He wears a hoodie and he never talks to anybody. And he's like, he, he doesn't interact with the teachers and he's not like, you know, the dad's like, what'd you do today? And nothing. And like, did you, do you even know your teacher's name? And the kid doesn't even know who his teacher, like doesn't even know who the teacher's name is. Cause that's how within like his own little world he is. And the dad's talking about him to this woman all about this stuff and how frustrated he is with this son and how it's like, I told him out he needs to like, you know, say hello and like, you know, challenge him the next day he goes to make sure that before you leave the classroom to at least tell them thank you and goodbye and like all of these things. And then he just goes on to continually share all of these stories about how this kid is such a like truthfully, the way that he's describing him from the perspective of this dad, like the dad is talking about his son as being just this huge pain in the ass and how frustrating it is and how he doesn't know what to do with them. And, uh, he, you know, does nothing but like drive him nuts. And he's tried so many different things and he gets so frustrated. And then he even talks about like all of the other kids that he has, like he even references his other daughters that are like his favorites. Oh my goodness. And then goes on to talk about, um, you know, like at times we'll go to a concert and I won't bring him because of his attitude and the way he brings everybody down. And like, I've talked to the bishop about him and the bishop kind of agrees that it's like he has all of this stuff and all this negativity and the bishops even tried to do stuff. And there was like some event where um, the dad like you know, gave him the ultimatum of you either participate in this thing or I'm taking you home. And the kid's like, cool, let's go home. And the dad was like, shit, he called my bluff and I had to take him home. And all of this negativity about his son. <clears throat> and I'm just sitting there next to my son, right? And I'm listening to the conversation and they weren't trying. I mean, it was a private conversation in the sense that, you know, the two of them were having it, but they were probably sitting maybe a foot further away than you and I are sitting right now. Like if you're only listening, it's like maybe four or five feet away. It's not one of those boisterous where they want the whole area to hear. But at the same time, he was not, it wasn't a, hey, you know, leaning in and having a conversation with the person sitting next to you in a crowded room. Yeah. He was just talking to the lady sitting next to him. Right. And so you could mm -hmm. not not hear him. Yeah. And after about five minutes of us sitting there, five or 10 minutes of us sitting there listening to this conversation, Asher, our son, mm -hmm. leans over to me and he's like, and I'm like, I know, I know it's hard. And he's like, like, just maybe your son's depressed and just like, maybe ask him if he wants to play catch. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, I know, right, mijo? I'm feeling the same things. Like I, you know, he's like, it was so obvious that this dad had no concept of how to not just reach his son, but any concept of what his son was going through. And Asher was like, when, at one point when 
um, the dad mentioned how old he was, that he was 14, that he was a freshman. Asher's like, that's a hard time. He's like, I stopped talking to you and mom too. And I'm like, I know, like, that's a hard time. That's a big transition. He's like, yeah. And he just kept being like, I got to say something. I got to say something to him. I got to say something to him. And I told him, because I told him, I'm like, I feel the same way. I feel like I want to say something to the dad. But I, and then this like moment, I used the opportunity to talk to Asher about that concept of like, you can't teach those that aren't willing to listen, right? So I kind of impart that to him a little bit. And because obviously this dad wasn't going to listen to anybody. He wasn't listening. The woman wasn't listening to him. He wasn't aware of the fact that the woman wasn't listening to him. He was just talking. So totally in his own head and in his own space and in his own world where he's got this damn son of a bitch son that does not listen and doesn't behave and doesn't do what he's supposed to do, right? And no conceptual understanding of what maybe that son is going through or even how to reach that son. And it's breaking my heart and it's so sad. And Asher is like in the same boat from the perspective of, you know, his 15 year old self sitting there thinking of like, dude, stop being an asshole to your son. He's probably depressed. It's really hard being a freshman. Maybe just ask him if he wants to play catch. How about that? Did you ever think of that? And, um, so we're sitting there and we're kind of having this conversation and it keeps building up in Asher and building up in Mm -hmm. Asher. And he's like, I really feel like I got to say something. I got to say it. And I'm like, I wasn't going to stop him. Yeah. Right. I just kind of imparted that little bit of like, you know, not everybody's going to listen to the advice that you have to give, especially if they're not listening. Yeah. And um, about the moment, because I thought he was going to say something. I thought Asher was going to say something because I decided I wasn't going to say anything. Because you could also tell by, I mean, I made a lot of judgments of this dad, but you could tell by listening to him and I kind of was observing him and kind of a bunch of different aspects of him and his mannerisms and his personality and the way he was interacting with this woman and the way that he was talking and all this kind of stuff. And the guy was not connected at all. And I don't mean that in like the spiritual way. It was just like he was a, he was very much in his own head. Everything was about me, 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 right? It was about how difficult his son is making his life and how I'm sure how much shame he's feeling. And like, you know, the bishop is judging him as a father. And everything was about how, you know, the son comes to the concert with all the whole family and makes everybody's day. Like, it's all about him, 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 him. And um, so oftentimes those people aren't ready to listen but obviously Asher doesn't know that yet. And just about the time where I thought he was going to say something, our name gets called. So then we have to go and sit down and we sit and we have a great meal and everything. And we kind of start talking about it a little bit more. And it's just the reiteration of like, I was so grateful. Like it was a really beautiful experience for me to have with him, with Asher, because it was so not what that dad's experience was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like such a complete opposite experience that dad is sitting there venting about his son and not knowing how to connect to him on one level and then sitting directly across from him is another dad with his son having great connection, (laughs) (laughs) having a great time, you know, and we go and sit down and we have this beautiful meal and everything. And I was so grateful for, 
um, like my life and my experience. And I had compassion for that guy and that dad, even though, yes, he's a jerk. But at the same time, it's like compassion for everybody, right? The, the, this boy that we heard about who is obviously going through huge things in his life and has a dad that doesn't understand him. And it just, I mean, it was so heartbreaking and sad. And then at the same time, I was so grateful and happy and joyful yeah. for what I was experiencing. But I, I mean, I've been that dad before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That dad of like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Feeling like I'm failing and getting all frustrated and stuck. And yeah, I think every parent's been that, yeah. that dad before. Yeah. Feeling like they're failing, not knowing what to do. This really stuck with Asher. I didn't know the story of it, but oh, I just had to say? hurry up and like take him to his friends. Yeah. And he was trying to give me like information. And at first he was like, I had to tell him like, whoa, slow down, bud. Let's like, let's start with, because he was like, <laughs> and I barely caught words. <laughs> excited to tell you about our evening. He was so excited. He was talking so fast. Like, I don't know, maybe if I'd had more coffee, I could, I just couldn't like, it was, it was going so fast. It was really, really cute. He was like a little squirrel from hoodwinked, just, <laughs> but he, um, he said, I, it was like hard. I caught pitch like glimpses of like this guy was, and I was going to say something to him and I didn't. And I wish I would have, I really wish I would have. And then like, it was just that moment of where it was still sitting that he had this chance to say something and it's sitting in his belly that he didn't. Yeah. And so it like affected him hard. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the dad will hear this podcast. Maybe he is a maybe, listener of this podcast. Maybe. Or maybe somebody will, the, the worker, the woman that he was with is going to be like, hey, advice from from a, a, a boy, your boy's age or a kid, your kid's age. I was just so grateful just, to see like, to watch our son go through that empathetic process yeah. for another human that he's never met. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Never met. And he'll probably never meet this 14 year old boy somewhere, right. right. Who lives in Utah, but yet he's sitting there and only hearing about the experience. And he's like, Oh my gosh, so much compassion and empathy for what that boy must be going through. That's beautiful. And that made me really happy. Yeah. That was like, Oh, baby, we're doing a good job. Like, <laughs> he's, just, he's awesome. There's sometimes that, yes, he's awesome. Yeah, and yes, we're like, he no, no, had but, that communication. But you're too. very right. Like, it's him. It is him. He has it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not something, yes, we've given him so many things and we've helped mold and shape in positive and negative ways and all those kind of stuff as well. But you're right. Like, it's him. Yeah. He's so compassionate and he's so loving. It was just really beautiful to get to witness it and, from all of these different. Right? perspectives that I was in, right? That's such a beautiful moment. It was really cool. I'm so like, like I'm sad that I missed out on like that time with you guys mm -hmm. just from that, that miss out part. But also I'm so glad that, um, like you don't have to be a part of everything, right? You don't have to be there for everything. I'm so glad I wasn't there. I'm so glad it wasn't something that I was a part of because you guys just got to have this, this experience, this experience. Yeah. And I get to hear this, like I, if my experience of your guys's experience 
is so cool because I'm just sitting here and I get to hear all these amazing, wonderful things. And I get to see, it's like almost I get to see him in another light and I get to see you in another light because, you know, I'm, I'm around you guys and I see how it goes and I know what it's like when I'm around and all that. But there's just like, there's always these subtle shifts, right? Like you're still you when you're with me. You're still you when you're with him. He's still like him when he's with us. I'm granted when he's with his friends, it's a different version, but it's still the same. But there's this shift. It's a very different energy when it's him and I. And and then I get to like, so even though like I I get to still witness that through listening to you guys. And then you guys like, you guys get to have that experience and it's so beautiful and it makes me so happy. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. My kids have a dad that loves them and is there <laughs> and they have fun and there's trust and there's connection. And like, that is not like, not every like family has that. Not every kid has that. Not yeah. every like, I get to like, this is like a gratitude moment. I'm very grateful. <laughs> very grateful. I'm very grateful. And I love that the kind of conversations and connections and I'm just glad that this kind of con- this this is pos- this is what our experience is. Yeah. And that he is just that big old heart and sees that. I love that his um I hope that came out okay. It was kind of like it's hard to communicate when I'm feeling. I love that his advice was uh ask, ask him, to, him play to play catch. catch. And recently, I mean in the last couple of months there was a um it was back in March where Asher did exactly that. There was one night where he just asked me to play catch and I accepted Mm -hmm. the invitation and now I get the synchronistic connection of what he was actually asking. And I knew it on some level, like there's some subconscious level of like all the boys reaching out for connection and this is how he's doing it. And like, I was so glad like we've, you know, it's, that was his bid for love. That was his bid for connection. And I picked it up. Yeah. I didn't miss that one. Yeah. I didn't miss that opportunity. And now I get to see it as an even fuller experience of what it actually was in the moment. And how cool is that? That's really cool. Makes me really, like it was just the whole experience of that moment in the restaurant and going through that was a very, um, a very rich and full experience of synchronistic things and compassion and gratitude and empathy and love and you know the whole smorgasbord of like I had a lot of judgment about that dad yeah a lot I had him pegged in every different way imaginable right the Mormon mm-hmm. thing uh, there's a lot of there are taking it to the bishop so you can judge them together make them feel even more well it's even like there's so much damage growing up in that religion there are like there's almost a few different um archetypes of male um energy or dads i guess you could just make it real simple right in the mormon religion at least from my perspective there's some that are just really loving and compassionate and then there's some that are like disconnected and gone and non-existent i mean this is with dads in general has nothing to do with the mormon church it's just my framework and my understanding of it 
And then there's like asshole dads, but they pretend to not be assholes because they're doing it from this very ego place of love and compassion. And they're trying to teach you these lessons and they're trying to do all of this stuff. Just, just save them. And they're assholes. Like mm -hmm. they're, I remember we had a, um, there was another family growing up that we would go on vacation with when I was younger. And um, they were Mormon mm -hmm. and we knew that, like that wasn't some issue. And technically we were as well, but we weren't practicing in the full extent we were. Um, anyways, but they, they put on the facade of all of these different things that oftentimes um, families do, right? Where they're mm -hmm. perfect. They had the facade of this perfect Mormon family. And I remember one time we were on, we were on vacation with them and there was another boy that was my age and, um, so he's the same age as I am and we were friends obviously. And we played like, we hung out a lot and we went on vacations together and everything. We spent a lot of time together. So I'm remembering all of this stuff in the moment. And, um, him and I were. I think this was the impetus for this, but I could be wrong about it. I might be blending some stories, but him and I were throwing rocks at squirrels because we were camping in Yellowstone and him and I were throwing rocks at squirrels. And I remember hitting a squirrel in the head with a rock and watching it fall over. And I like knocked it out. It fell over and went, Oh my gosh, holy shit. And it kind of lay there for a minute and then it got up and ran off. And, um, like I felt really bad about the experience, but like, you know, how boys, not how boys are. Unfortunately, that is kind of how boys are. But anyways, we were doing it kind of like behind the tent in a sense, because we knew we were doing something that we weren't supposed to do. And then his dad found out or we got caught or something throwing rocks at these squirrels and his dad beat him with a stick. And I, and it wasn't like a, a switch from my memory and granted yeah. I was little. So everything is always bigger when you're little. Right. Yeah. But from my memory, it was like a club, like it was a fucking log kind of stick that you would put in the fire, not like a little, you know, branch yeah. off of a tree. And I just remember thinking like, holy shit. In my head, I was like, not only did that seem excessive for what just happened, but also just like, oh, you're fake. Like I remember putting that together where this guy, the dad very much pretended to be something and then had all of that anger and all of that stuff inside of him. Yeah. And I remember feeling it <sighs> and then getting to see it and witness it. And it was like, mm, my little brain, right? However old I was and had to have been little, you know, six, seven, maybe. And, um, yeah, it was, um, that'd be really scary to see. It was, it was very scary to see. And yeah. It was also like just confusing. Yeah. And I remember feeling bad for the, my friend. 
but then also grateful that that didn't happen to me. And I remember thinking like, oh, at least I don't get hit like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let's shift up a little bit, but help me remember um, this okay. later on. Because I think that... Um, I think there's some more, uh, some more mining to do down that neural pathway. Like it. Yeah, there's a mine shaft. <clears throat> it sounds like it. That um, I'm familiar with. I've seen it before, but I don't think I've ever <laughs> uh, seen it before. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot there. Okay. Babe, but We're we can. Shift. Yeah, we can shift up. Is it okay if like we shift away from that, but we still like kind of like segue? Please, like still yeah. into absolutely so one of the things that i was going to talk about um is i have a friend that sent me an article and it it explained like she felt seen she felt seen for the first time with it and was like have you heard of this and i'm like well, i'm like uh yeah i'm like i am very familiar with it but um, the field that my friend works in, like I was surprised that like this was new information. And so when she brought this and was like, I knew that I was in a trauma response, but I didn't like, I was finally seen and I like, and I understood this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. So she had this brand new information that I was like, oh, I think we need to talk about this because apparently it is not, you know how when you know something, it's hard to not know that it's not known information. Right. Because you know it, so it's known. And then you're like, oh, this isn't known information or vice versa. Once you you hear something for the first time and you're like, wait, hold up, what? I know. Like, you didn't know that? No. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> if you put coconut oil in your coffee, what? it's delicious. <laughs> so it was one of those. And I thought, oh, I want to turn a light on to this and maybe, maybe, um, like give breath to some people or like maybe it just stimulates a conversation, right? Yeah. So, and I used it in context with you the other day too. And I mentioned it. It's about anxiety and the different types of anxiety. And you have like generalized anxiety, you know, anxiety disorders that are, do I need to move this? Was Not that your all. subconscious? Um, that like, I'll just give a quick synopsis so we can, you know, really start diving in. But um, it's like you're you're afraid of the future and you like can have like all of these irrational thoughts. Right. Or it just kind of like spins out and what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And so it's grounding you to like some of the techniques that they use, like grounding you to where you are and like slowing down and just, you know, really looking at your environment and and connecting with yourself and what the reality is and super good techniques like those are. They're, they're great techniques. You have to like start to name things around you. Um, all are really helpful. But there's another form of anxiety where it gets missed because it just gets all jumbled in as anxiety. And it's trauma anxiety that is like PTSD, CPTSD. And the difference between generalized anxiety and trauma anxiety is like the generalizes the fear of the what ifs, what if is going to happen. And trauma anxiety is fear of what has already happened. 
So you can't tell them like, this is irrational. This isn't going to happen because I've lived this. Mm. So when they're having that anxiety and trying to slow them down and put them back in their bodies, kind of, it's a different thing. A little counterproductive, so, huh? A little bit because they're like, I have lived this. You can't tell me this isn't going to happen. I have lived this. I have experienced this. And when you're in like a, a space that is creating that, that feels unsafe, the anxiety level is always up here. It's always up. And just like trying to rationalize and like calm your mind down and you just need to meditate more. You need to like all of the things isn't going to soothe them because they're being activated from what has happened. So when you're having like just so like just opening up that conversation of the different types of anxiety and what 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 is your anxiety? What is what are you feeling? Are you is it the, you know, irrational and the things that you have not experienced and all the what ifs and that these techniques will work and bring you back into your body? Or is this a trauma response anxiety of regardless of the situation right now, if you are not feeling safe, regardless of whether or not you're safe, it's like you have this thing, well, I'm not living it now. So why am I feeling this now? It doesn't matter if you have that kick up, then you have that anxiety of what has already happened. Mm -hmm. And it's a very different approach on like how you can help yourself. Sometimes it's not sitting in the environment that has brought up this trigger and calming yourself and connecting yourself to this environment, regardless of whether it's safe or not. But what has brought up this trigger, it's changing the environment. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get outside. We're going to go for a walk or I'm going to get into another room or the conversation needs to shift. Just something that, you know, trying to rationalize the event that has triggered you isn't going to be as productive is it necessarily needed yeah it's like oh we just let's let's let our bodies know we're safe we're going to make our bodies safe first we're going to do something different instead of being like oh just sit still and sit in it fuck that right like this is like i know what can happen because i've lived it already mm. so that's what i want to talk about yeah yeah it's uh especially applicable given what just happened on the podcast exactly that's why i was like <laughs> is it okay if we still kind of like <laughs> Yeah. Like we don't have to talk about that, but if we're kind of like segue a little bit with that. Yeah. And if not, we can come back. Oh, please keep segueing. This is perfect. So give me some examples. Give you some examples. Um, I thought I did. Okay, did. I'll try again. And maybe that's the wrong question. My brain is a little noodly right now. A little noodly. Okay, no, I like that. My brain's a little noodly. Um Okay. So well, what's your experience I, with this I've, new I've, information? I've got, like, I can give you personal examples for me and, like, what it's been. And it doesn't mean that this is going to be examples that anybody else can relate to right. or even that you can. But right now it's it's clicking in my brain. <clears throat> um, when I, like, where were, like, when we went to the uh, Mushroom Sacrament mm -hmm. and did the, like, the, the, Skinny dip the in skinny the water. dipping and the heat and all of the things that and then I ended up um out of nowhere with this like panic attack. Yes. That um was affecting my heart. This was last I, summer this in was case last you summer. weren't of an intimate part of our life that know everything. <laughs> well, we taught we did a podcast on we it did. too. We so did. you can you can go listen. Um but I thought like I was having I felt like I was starting to have a heart attack and I was getting really scared. And needed that calming of like you connecting me with my body mm -hmm. and like 
the environment that I was okay. You needed to keep like you looking at me for my vitals because I knew you have this training. If I'm having a heart attack, you're going to see it, mm-hmm. and you're not going to let me just sit there and be like, "Oh, you're fine," right. you know. So I'm like, keep looking at me and telling me that I'm okay because I've, I, I have not had a medical condition. I have not witnessed somebody, um, just suddenly have a heart attack. You know, all of these races like this is not something that I have lived. And this is just like something that came up in panic and I'm like, I'm going to die. And it was just because too much anxiety was happening. And so grounding me in my body and slowing down and breathing and just like staying where I was because it was okay. You know, granted, we didn't need to go to the emergency room. Who knows? We could have. But um, just that was super, super helpful. But say we are like when I've we've been having a conflict and the voice elevates or like, and I start to get scared and I start to get scared if it gets loud and then the noises are too much. And it feels like, it's not that you're violent. It's not that you've ever been violent with me. It's not that I have a fear of this, but I have lived a very violent life. So even just like a stance of where you're getting mad at me. And if you like, if a door slams, yeah, then it's like, <gasps> and I am scared and I am like like I don't know how to act or maybe I'm like acting out at this point or maybe I'm curling in and this is anxiety of like it's gonna happen just because it hasn't happened with you so it doesn't make sense that I have this fear but I lived this way until you Mm -hmm. like I've got 30 years of violence and I've got 10 years of safety (laughs) you know (laughs) so it in that just like slowing down and like stay here when you want me to like still in the moment with you that was always a very violent thing because when they were coming in and focusing so just slowing down and staying in the moment is terrifying because i feel like oh my god my body's like i know what this is i know what happens as to if we're like oh let's change it up let's like get out of the room go stand outside when it's just like a change of scenery we're like oh and i realize this isn't what's happening Hmm. so it's those are just you know, there's so many more examples, but just for me of the different types of anxiety that can happen. Um, <laughs> you know, so just there's kinda... so much nuance to it. Like okay. there's, do you know what I mean? There's so much, um, cause we do this all the time, babe, where we have these, uh, you know, like we'll come up with a new, not coping mechanism, but a new communication yeah. and a new way to interact with each other and acknowledge like, we work hey, really when, well with this. hey, when I do this thing or when I react this way, this is what will be really beneficial exactly. is if you show up for me and say this thing mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, and then the the frustrating part is it doesn't always work. Not only does it not only work, but it's not always what is actually needed. Mm-hmm. Like how many times we have uh, our rules of engagement here and it's like there's two different things. There's two different categories, one for high activation and mm-hmm. one for when we're in like this deeply traumatized hurt place. Mm-hmm. And those are two different needs that are needed to, like, you know, and you and I each have similar but yet different yeah, and, and the high activation can be generalized or trauma-based. Exactly. That's what so I'm that saying can is be it's like, like so nuanced and mm-hmm. so subtle where there isn't a, not just a cookie cutter approach that would Unfortunately. be, that would be <laughs> beneficial, but it's, I mean, it's moment by moment, case mm-hmm. by case, incident by incident. It's, it's being present enough in the experience to be able to recognize what is needed mm-hmm. and what is kind of 
what is being called for. Like if we think about it from that perspective of like, there's this thing inside of you that is reaching out and like needing love and attention. What is being called for? Yeah. What part of you is is screaming for attention or what part of me, right? Needs safety. Needs safety and needs security and needs love. To know that, yeah. And being able to really listen. Because sometimes just listening is all that's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to fix it causes chaos. But sometimes it needs to be fixed. Sometimes it needs to be fixed. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. it sit in the emotion and feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, oh, let's let's change this and get outside and sometimes go for a walk. hold let's me. Distract. Let's... Sometimes don't touch me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's all these things. So just like that awareness is like creating so much freedom with it. And like, yeah, there's not a cookie cutter approach, which means nobody's doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we have all of these techniques because we work so well with it. Mm-hmm. We have an, a body memory moment. Remember our BMMs? Are mm-hmm. we having like, do we need to, um, I keep thinking redirect. I'm sorry. Pattern interrupt. Do we need a pattern interrupt? Do mm-hmm. we need to change the channel? And like, oh, do we need movement? So let's go for a walk. Need a bath. Like there's so many different things that we work well with in all of this. And I think it, you're like getting overwhelmed of like, how do you know? Like you don't. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's incredibly <laughs> overwhelming, right? Because I have a part of my brain that just wants things very simple. Yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to healing, or when it comes to, I guess just when it comes to healing, we'll simplify it, make it really, really easy. Right. Whether it's my own healing or assisting and helping in the healing of you. I want it step by step. I want it very <laughs> linear. Right. I want it maybe five things, like it's a list of five things. And each one of those things, I will give it three subcategories. So it's 1A, 1B, 1C, <laughs> right? So then there's a totality of 15 different things that I have to memorize and look for and be like, great, this situation calls for 3C. Done. I can implement 3C problem solved. And then wait, uh, 5B. Oh, this is a 5B problem. Great. I've got solutions for 5B. You're even doing it in your head. You've like already created way more than 15 situations. I don't know if you're aware. (laughs) 3C and 5B means there's a lot more than 15. But you know what that means? All of that that linear thought process is how I feel safe. Uh And so then that way it's like, that's because I don't feel safe in healing. (laughs) Right. It's hard. (laughs) Whether it's mine or yours. It is hard. Yeah. It is hard work. Or anybody else's. Right? Yeah. It's very hard. Healing is hard. It is so hard. I like that awareness though, that the, the, the different types of anxiety. Right the different shades and the different colors and what triggers them and why and how and 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 how to like help yourself through it yeah like it's anxiety is now a recognized thing but it's still just like boop, like in this ball of a b and c and you're fine stop yeah it's so oversimplified right emotion is so oversimplified right where we're, the mental health aspect of emotion and life and existence is so oversimplified. Yeah. Like there's the the, physici- the physician's desk reference or whatever. There's the thing. Yeah. I know um, you're talking about it. I've heard it. They said it so many times. In, I don't think it's the physician. No. Uh, they listed it in the Body Keeps Score. He gives, he tells us what the title is repeatedly, but I can never remember it because I will probably listen to it too fast as we yeah. talked about on the last one. 
Yeah, that one is more about uh, drug prescription and stuff like that. Which one? The uh, physician's desk reference. Yeah, there's like the psychology. They give it, he uses, it's an acronym too. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. But that is oversimplifying, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the, uh, that's another big thing. Even therapists, even psychologists, even psychiatrists, even, you know, licensed clinical social workers. um, They can't know everything. Well, not only can they not know everything, but the thing that you think you know is like, if we just looked at everything from the perspective of a box Mm -hmm. or a list, it doesn't allow for the complete nuance and the experience of the individual where, yeah, man, it's a palette of colors. Yeah. It's not just the primary colors. It's not. And we can think of it that way too, right? Where we take the primary colors and then we make a new color and then yeah. we make a new color. But the reality is that there's just so much shade and tone and pastel and difference mm-hmm. in the shades and the tones and the nuance of the colors. Absolutely. There's so much of that. One of the things that um, the author said in the Body Keep score that was like, I wish more would would be done is that book that you're referencing um, that neither of us can remember the the title of. um, I'm going to find it. You're going to find it. Um, One of his trainers, when he was going through one of his clinicals and starting a new place, and that book has, and it continues to grow, it does, but it is still so inadequate so 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 inadequate and the the factuality of it it is just what they've got up into this point like up into this point but it's not even the point where we're at now it's like up into this point that is listed and manipulated like a hundred years back Mm -hmm. is what's in the book and so the best teaching he got was when he said when they were working with people it was the first thing he's like you do not use that book Forget everything in that book. That is not your reference. Look at the person in front of you. That is your book. That is your reference. What is going on with them? Not what you think, not what somebody else says about, like, that is a person on their own. What is happening with them? Yeah. So important. It's the DSM. That's it. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. (laughs) You did it, Craig. High five. I love our brain. (laughs) I'm like, they use it as an acronym all the time. And even like when There's they like version five now, they that's insane that that's all there is. But he went through and I don't remember what it was, Ugh. but they had proof, proof time and time again, multiple, multiple cases reconsisting that the information that they had in that book on this one subject that I cannot back up because you know you can go listen to the body keep score and get the information from him or read it. However, um, was outdated in factual and in fact harmful to keep doing it this way and they had this proof and saving lives and bringing it to and he was like oh man we got it this time like it's going to be updated and it was almost it almost came through but i think it was something to do with the medication or i'm not sure the exact but it didn't fit the politics of it mm-hmm. and it didn't make it in yeah they didn't change this thing that was going to save lives and it's like what what, what? No, I know there's like only so much information like each therapist can have. And it's to look at somebody and say, you need to have all of this information is it's like, not, that's why people have specialties and exactly. niches. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And right. Um, but these people, like the 
book writers, the the ones that are like literally right there and have the power. And like, no, that doesn't, we're not going to, it's so much, not so much. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, it's not an interesting concept. It's accurate, at yeah. least in my uh, opinion. Right. And it's not just with anxiety. I think about it even, you know, expanding outwards, right? Uh, depression, um, bipolar, all, all these labels and all these terms and all these things. And it's the same thing that we've talked about on the podcast so many times where mm -hmm. it's a huge spectrum. Yes. It's just this huge, beautiful spectrum that everybody's on. And the inability to acknowledge it as that and also like not acknowledging that you're on it and then having any sort of shame or judgment because of that, right? The fact that you're on it, that we're on this mental health, emotional health spectrum based off of all of our life experiences and the programming and the genetics and the epigenetics and everything else mm -hmm. that goes into the makeup of us as humans. I mean, it's just like, come on already. We're there. We're on it. We're experiencing yeah. it. And you and I have, you know, taken the time to dive in and figure it out at least for ourselves, for ourselves. figure out how we uh, work and how we feel. And yeah, it's so important. So important. And we're still learning. Like always, there's always like a new layer. I know A everything. new thing. I've got it all for today. Out. And then tomorrow you're going to learn something new. I've memorized the DSM. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, there's nothing like they're trying to break through to and really push the... Um, borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder and yeah, like, all those personality disorder yeah, things that they're just like labeling something's wrong with you. Here's like symptom relief, symptom relief. This is where you're at. You just need to take your meds and be, and I'm not saying not to take your meds. Like that is not the message. Like obviously these things happen and you have these symptoms. So what's works best for you is what needs to be, you know, work with your therapist, work with your doctors on that. But what they're saying is like, these are not, hold on. <coughs> I'm sneeze, I might sneeze again. <coughs> Goodness, I still feel sneezy. Um, you want me to scare you? Or is that for hiccups? That's for hiccups. Maybe it'll work for sneezes. Maybe. Are you ready? Oh. I'm just going to start throwing playing cards at your face. <laughs> um, like, I'm, this isn't minimizing the um the condition in any way it's the same like this is definitely a cause this condition is factual but they are saying they're looking into and trying to get work and showing that these conditions the cause is trauma and right. childhood trauma that you may or may not have that have formed like this borderline or um, occupational defiance disorders that are labeled as behavioral problems, cognitive problems are just in fact, the way that you, your, yourself as a child protected themselves and learned how to survive and these splits that are taking place. And so, yes, it's a very real thing and treatments that they are using and whatever's working for you is necessary. And like, we need to look at what's behind it on what the cause, because are we just going to keep treating the symptoms or are we going to start to go to the cause and heal the wound? And maybe it heals it, maybe it doesn't, you know, where everything is still being worked with. 
but just to slap this label and say, here's a pill to control your symptoms. Like, come on. We deserve more than that. We do deserve more than that. I think about, because um, I'm not a proponent of medication. I have a lot of different um, uh, judgments and fears. I do too. And all sorts of different stuff. But I, I also acknowledge and I recognize that that was um, given to me. Yeah. That program, um, that idea that pharmaceuticals or mental health medication was um, not just a weakness, but that it didn't really work. Oh, that's true. Okay. Right. That it wasn't not just a weakness, but that it wasn't really uh, the solution. Okay. So I have a lot of judgment about it. And I recognize that that's part of my story and part of what was like programmed into me. And I do think they have a role and they serve a purpose and I think they're beneficial for people. Mm-hmm. But it's like you said, I think they are in order to address the symptoms, not the cause. And I think that's the big disconnect where they're being used to address the cause. But the reality is they're only addressing the symptoms. So. They're like hush pills. Yeah. Just shh, and take I this think and it'll about, go away and make more problems. Like last year, um, and we talked about it a lot on the podcast because a lot of the podcasts from 2021, I was high for, and I used uh, edibles a lot. Mm-hmm. I was a daily marijuana user for pretty much all of 2021. And really, I, is it that much? I feel like that's an over exaggeration, or am I just like blind? No, I mean it I became. Feel like it daily. came, but I don't feel like you were, what you just said was you were like using edibles every day for an, a year for 2021. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not, I'm just like, really? I don't think that's factual. I'm, or at least was the latter it? Half, at least the latter half of yeah. the year. Right? I can see where it increased, but. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, that wasn't me calling you. I was. I know, I know. Okay. Um, That was my drug of choice that helped me treat my symptoms so that the symptoms lessened Mm -hmm. and became more manageable. And then in conjunction with that, and this wasn't even necessarily like a, I mean, part of it was a conscious decision and a conscious choice, but a lot of it was just subconscious action. Yeah. Because in conjunction with that um, use of marijuana, to treat the symptoms of what I was labeling at the time as my anxiety, I was also going through therapy. Yeah. I was also sitting in, you know, like on a weekly basis or three to four times, you know, at least three, if not four times a month, um, therapy in conjunction with those big uh, MDMA sessions Mm -hmm. and all sorts of really deep therapeutic work Mm -hmm. on top of this use of- Deep trauma therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And- that's that I mean I can see now looking back I didn't have the I didn't think of it this way during that time period but it's very much that way where I was just using marijuana to soften the symptoms of what I was experiencing which in doing so allowed me freedom mm-hmm. to feel look at process connect understand realize all sorts of different things about mm-hmm. my mental health and really became way more open to understanding 
myself from that perspective of like, oh, wow, I have a lot of these mental health issues, these mm -hmm. emotional issues that do stem from trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, like we stopped or we, I stopped, you did too. I mean, it's, I'm not, I just don't need to reference you in regards <laughs> to this conversation. I stopped using um, marijuana back in March and the anxiety didn't go away. It's not like suddenly I didn't have anxiety or all sorts of different, um, those same mental health issues or those emotional mm -hmm. issues, but I have a better capacity. I have a better relationship with them mm -hmm. because I'm working on the core of where they're coming from as opposed to just trying to numb the symptoms and address the symptoms. That's what a big chunk of my adult life had been, was using all of these really unhealthy coping mechanisms. I mean, truthfully, my life, not just my adult life, right? Yeah. I've had coping mechanisms since I was two. Yeah. Right? And I've been using all of these different coping mechanisms to address the symptoms of all of my trauma that would manifest in things that could be labeled as mental health issues. And now I'm just able to deal with them because I'm addressing the core, uh, like where they all started from. Mm -hmm. I'm addressing the root of these things now. So the symptoms are less scary. They're less uh, debilitating, um, all those kind of different things. And so what I'm getting at, what I'm trying to express is whether you choose to use, you know, a prescribed pharmaceutical uh, mental health drug that, you know, your psychiatrist or your doctor prescribes to you, or you choose to use cannabis or psilocybin or some other. Which your cannabis was also prescribed, so <laughs> same right? thing, you know. It, 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 it's, all, it's all the same it's thing. It's all the same thing. And they all come with positives and negatives yeah. right i do like think some are healthier than others i do too but that's my uh, that's my that's uh my filter that's exactly. where i sit from right Same, my filter like if i had been on um some sort of mental health medication I, I can't even think of one right now but if all of 2021 i was on some sort of daily mental pharmaceutical medication right mm -hmm. and then suddenly i just stopped it in March, which I did, like I just decided I'm not going to use marijuana anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped. I didn't have any sort of, um, I didn't have to go through any sort of like tapering off. Yeah. I just, I just stopped and I was okay. Mm -hmm. Now that's me and everybody's different and all those kind of different things. Mm -hmm. But, um, there wasn't like a medical like harm that was going to come to you from yeah. stopping using marijuana as yeah. to where other ones, like I almost, yeah, there's a I, lot of issues. Pharmaceuticals, yeah. You can. can, you know, like they talk about, you know, some of the, like if you get on some anxiety medications, they just tell you like, well, you're going to be taking these the rest of your life. Right. And I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I hate taking allergy medication. Mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to take allergy medication any longer than I have to, <laughs> let alone something that's going to start. I mean, truth is allergy medication affects my brain, right? Yeah. Anything um, you put in your body exactly. affects, you know. This coffee is affecting our brains. I no, it's not, Stephanie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we should wrap up because I'm okay. I'm a little still noodly. Okay. But it's that whole idea that treating the symptoms of your mental health and emotional health is okay. Yeah. 
whether you're doing it with coping mechanisms, whether, I mean, marijuana was just another coping mechanism. It was just another symptom relief. And however you're relieving those symptoms at whatever stage you're at in your life, it's all okay. It's mm -hmm. totally okay. Even if it's alcohol, even if it's drugs, like gambling, sex, even if it's all of these terrible, uh, potentially life destructive things, that's okay. You're doing what you can with what you have, with where you're at. So there is no shame. There is no judgment. There is no criticism. All of it is okay. You don't have to beat yourself up inside because you're struggling to cope and manage with what's going on. Yeah. The encouragement is just look at and recognize that you are treating the symptoms. You are not treating the issue. You're only treating, it's like you're trying to, I mean, I don't need some fancy metaphor. It's just, you're, that's the whole thing, right? You're just treating the symptoms of it, however you're choosing to. And it's literally just with whatever coping mechanisms you have, whatever skill set you have, whatever knowledge you have, whatever you were given. Yeah. I couldn't recognize all the coping mechanisms for what they were. I couldn't. I just judged the shit out of myself for it and hated myself and criticized myself and, you know, continued to destroy myself. But I didn't see that I was treating. I mean, literally, that's what I was doing. I was treating my trauma with unhealthy coping mechanisms. That's all. Because that's what I was taught, you know? So allowing it to be okay, you're not saying, that's not an endorsement of saying keep up those coping mechanisms. It's a like, oh, okay, I can recognize this. Yeah. I can recognize this. I see what this is. I can give myself compassion and love and I can look at it. Yeah. And I can look at what's deeper and I can uh, get help. I can reach out and start being. You know, for me, it was just the relief of like, it was like a, it was a lifting of pressure off of my shoulders and shame off of my shoulders, even if temporarily, Yeah. even if it was just for a moment when I started to really understand that my coping mechanisms were in place to keep myself safe Yeah. <clears throat> and had been from childhood. And then it was like, they're terrible coping mechanisms, right? <laughs> they're yeah. destructive and just like horribly painful coping mechanisms that really just create more trauma. But that was the pattern. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, okay. But yeah, I did get curious, you know, and that's the thing is like, just get curious enough to look at, maybe you're only treating the symptom. Yeah. You know. Like that. I listened, I to, go ahead. I say, um, for me, like, for me, I have to be careful with that in the hearing. Like, it's okay. Because while it is okay, um, like personally right now, um, the things that I'm processing and going through is triggering coping mechanisms really hard. So I am failing. <laughs> I'm going to say failing. I am giving into binge eating. And I'm trying so hard not to. And not, um, not giving into purging is so hard right now. Yeah. It is messing with me, especially when I get to binge by myself and have mm. time by myself and to fight that. And if I just like that started to play in my head too. I'm like, it's okay. Just this time, just this time. And I'm like, no, I will not hurt my body like that. And I have other methods. So I like sat in the bath for like four hours yesterday to help like 
soothe me and get me through this and just like it is so so I guess that part is kind of triggering for me it's like where you're at like yes giving yourself permission or not permission but saying it's okay so you're not using it as a way to abuse yourself and like validate oh I'm a piece of shit and I'm worthless or whatever thing it's it's giving yourself like saying it's okay so you can give yourself love to, to then take the journey with yourself right and that for me takes it that little bit of a step further giving yourself the um like the permission to get curious and to look deeper look behind that and reach out for help do things that are like to make different choices and see that while it was okay that you did these things it's okay to make a different choice now and it's okay to like get curious. So I, I don't know. I just like, I have to be careful with that because I'm, I'm teetering right now. It is so, so hard. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It is so hard. Right. Cause I know I will instantly feel better and then I will instantly feel worse. And then here comes the shame. Yeah. And like physical worse. Like yeah. my body was like feeling physical. I was getting, you know, anyways, so that's why I'm just like, oh, and, <laughs> and reach out. Like it is not permission to continue to do these things. We're not allowing the ego to hear validation that you can just go disappear. Like don't allow your, um, like your shadows, your ego will hear that and then just keep like tormenting you with it. So we're like choices that you've made are okay. Now you get to love yourself. And love the choices that you made and make different choices. I think it's a loving act to allow yourself the coping mechanism. I can see that too. Right. To, to finally free yourself up from the cycle and the pattern of shame mm -hmm. in association with these unhealthy coping mechanisms, these addictions, whatever it might be, right? The, the act of just loving yourself enough to allow the space to be like, this is okay. Yeah. This is a coping mechanism that I'm using right now to deal with the immense amount of trauma and pain and a mental and emotional uh, instability and abuse and just shit that I've had to experience and live through my whole life. It's okay. Even just in the moment when you can just let go of this, like the acknowledgement that it's okay for me was enough to start the shift to where I could then get curious because yeah. I was caught in that cycle of shame and association mm -hmm. with the coping mechanism. So I could mm -hmm. never look outside of that cycle or outside of that pattern because what comes after the, what comes after the, um, you know, I mean, we'll use smoking, for example, you and I quit smoking several years ago, but mm -hmm. there was a process with trying to quit smoking over the course of our life. <laughs> where yeah. it was like we quit we're done i'm never smoking again two weeks later i take a smoke I, I i finally you know i break down and i buy a pack and i smoke and it's like oh my god i feel so good i'm so like oh my god that was exactly what i needed in the moment mm -hmm. you can feel it going to your lungs i could sit here and describe it for a I minute can, and then like, we're gonna go buy a pack of smokes because we <laughs> yeah it was like the thing is that i liked smoking right i liked it. some coping mechanisms you like you yeah i liked it now what right? it was doing to my body and the effects that's a whole other thing all that, the that things the that i had thing to we do look at yeah 
I will make sacrifices. I enjoyed smoking. There's a lot of coping mechanisms that I really liked. Really enjoyed. Really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And then what comes after the enjoyment almost immediately, right? As soon as that, that cigarette didn't even have to be finished. Uh It was, there was a point in smoking a cigarette where it went from enjoyment to to shame. shame, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to quit that process, it's like the first two, three, maybe, maybe four drags. It's like as soon as the decision's made, right? you're going for it, but it's even like forming. Yeah. It's like, there's that spot head. where it goes from enjoyment to shame. Mm-hmm. And that pattern, that process, that thing that happens mm-hmm. is just a circle. And I'm in that right now with eating. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. So can like you separate I'm, from that circle? Yeah. And just allow yourself compassion and love for really like the recognition of you're using a coping mechanism and you're in a pattern. I think that's what is helping me because I'm I'm not like separated from it. Like I can feel it. I feel Mm -hmm. the shame. I'm looking at my body and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'm feeling it also. I'm giving myself that compassion and that love and telling myself like this is okay. It is okay. And I think that is what's keeping me like really being honest and loving with myself from taking it to the next level. Right. At least for now, you know, at least where I'm at right now, that's where I'm at right now is I'm loving myself through that with this coping mechanism. Because if I start beating myself up too much for eating, I'll start fixing that problem. Right. I'll start fixing that effect. Swing the other way. Mm-hmm. And then create, an, and mm-hmm. not, not just create, but then go into another pattern mm-hmm. and another routine and another cycle. Mm-hmm. So I'll either start purging or I'll stop eating. Right. And I'm going to start picking up some other things, right. <laughs> you know, it just, it will steamroll into complete chaos. Just think of it as energy. That's right. what I do, right? I just think about in the, the, that, the energy, regardless of how it, energy is cyclical. Yeah. Energy moves in a vibration mm-hmm. and in a flow and in a circle and in a pattern and in a rhythm, right? It's the cell dividing itself to see itself. It's the cell dividing itself to see itself. I so, love that theory choose how you want that rhythm to go mm-hmm. whether you want it to be the pattern now of i'm in this pattern and now the new thing that i'm putting into the circle is the awareness choose how you want to say it. your perception is your reality right mm-hmm. now i'm putting something else into that pattern and into that circle that i didn't have before mm-hmm. so i can't judge myself because i didn't have it mm-hmm. but now i'm putting it in there it doesn't change the circle in the sense of now that that pattern and that routine is done and I'm never repeating it. Yeah. You're always in a circle. Yeah. You're always in a flow. It's just, what are you choosing to put into that flow? Yeah. What are you choosing to bring into that space and that awareness and allow yourself compassion and love? And even if you're doing it, like even if you're a complete wreck of an alcoholic or a drug addict, if you can allow yourself the compassion to recognize that it's a coping mechanism that's covering up, right? And I'm just soothing symptoms from the root cause underneath. And I can love myself in that moment. Even if you're doing it from a completely narcissistic, egotistical, broken way, that is one new thing into the pattern and into the circle. So one new thing gets in there and then another thing and then another thing and then another thing. And it just continually repeats itself over and over and over again. But we can bring new things into the awareness and into the pattern and into the cycle. So you get all the grace. That also gets to steamroll and build. It's a snowball. Like snowball, yeah. Yeah. So choose those things Mm -hmm. rather than being, because that's the whole thing. Like my whole life felt like I was um, 
I didn't have a choice. My whole life yeah. felt like I was out of control. My whole life felt like I was at the mercy of whatever was taking place, at the mercy of my coping mechanisms or of my pain or of the chaos of the world or however you choose to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. I was always a victim of whatever was taking place, whether it was somebody else or society or my mental health or this coping mechanism. I was always, you know, I was lost in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And felt like I was, you know, constantly mm. at the mercy of whatever the tides were doing and whatever the waves were doing. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, wait a minute. Learn how to swim. Learn to read the tides. Learn to move with the ocean. Maybe make yourself a fucking surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> and learn how to surf, right? Because you're in the yeah. ocean regardless. Yeah. Right? That's just the name of the game. So you might as well learn how to surf yeah. instead of... Getting crushed by the waves week after week after week after week after week after week after week. Okay, we were supposed my, to wrap like we half are, an hour. We were, I want to end it with my favorite quote, though. My favorite quote for the time being, at least. Mm -hmm. You already know it. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Permanence. Practice doesn't make perfect. Ah! You're practicing this quote. But I am practicing the quote. There's too many P's. I'm like, pa, 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 pa. <laughs> Practice doesn't make permanence. Damn it! Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanence. Yay. I did it. See, I keep practicing. You got it. You got it. Oh my god. Watch what you're practicing. Exactly. Choose it. You have a choice. Yeah. I love you. I love you. I will just think hard enough until I divide into two. Killing is hard. My brain just grew right now. Well, shit, that's kind of beautiful. Just allow yourself the opportunity to be where you're at. Slowing down and staying in the moment is terrifying.